Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. I formed a partnership with the Colorado Symphony Orchestra. They dipped into a whole new audience by introducing Beethoven and Bruce two years earlier. And they also believe that like, this is inevitable and this is the new audience. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's Welcome your Welcome back, my Joyce friends. Gerber. Another Cannamom Show where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one can of story at a time. So, Dave, it was a big day. I know this is always a week late, but it was a big day yesterday because this is Wednesday after Election Day. That's right. And I know you work the polls and our nation thanks you. And mostly good news. I mean... We don't have to hide our affiliations here, do we? <laughs> no, just, I mean, if we want to talk about balance in some weird yeah. way, we're achieving balance. You know, people, I'm from Cambridge. I work in the cannabis industry. I do play tennis and wear pearls. So, you know, I straddle a little bit. And the women. Good yeah. Lord. Dave. First elected uh, female governor of Massachusetts. I was acquainted with the first non-elected female governor. She was she was cool, too. Jane Swift. But Jane Swift, your, fr- yep. your friend, Joyce, your friend is the governor of Massachusetts. My classmate, who also shared the infamous Zev as a campaign. He was my campaign manager, but he worked for her campaign. She may not have become attorney general without Zev. So mm. there's a tie there. there we're talking about Mara Healy, by the way, listeners. Mara Healy. No. <laughs> New governor of Massachusetts. Information. And it's all women. I voted for all women. It was like a really um, exciting thing. And I think I have to give a shout out to Emerge 
Massachusetts. They've been training Democratic women. They talk about the long game. We were all scared to death that there's some kind of weird magical Republican long game, but it wasn't. It was the same old game of fear and anger, which is really powerful. But you know what else was on the ballot, Dave? Cannabis. True. Yeah. You know how many states, Dave? Were you listening? Five. I, I What I read was five and two came out the way we wanted. But that's right. but that's two more than we had yesterday. So we're up to 21, right? almost half. That's we're getting great. closer. Yeah, which which for the states was it? Uh, I want to say uh, Maryland. No? Yeah, the M's. M's are coming on Missouri and Maryland, and in Colorado, psilocybin. I think was what we had a vote on. So mm-hmm. we can you know, find out from our guest. All right. So that was exciting. And then on a slightly different note, I don't. I love musical theater. People. I don't know. One of the many cool things about me. And I thought over the winter I might start a new recommendation list. So I'm oh. going out on. This next weekend, we see a play called Six. Have you called, heard of this? No. It is a new, I guess it's a little, it's not new, but it's new back to Boston. Mm-hmm. It's a story of women empowerment as told through the eyes of King Henry VIII's wives. Oh, okay. Yes, I have heard of this now that you describe it. So, so this um, Six refers to Henry the Henry the Sixth? Eighth's wives. So the Six Wives Eighth, of Henry oh, the Eighth. Six Wives of, okay, Henry the Eighth. Got it. Okay. And, and they all have awesome personalities, ranging from like Beyonce to Adele in a musical theater production that I just, you know, I really have learned almost everything I know about life through uh, musical theater. So I think there needs to be a cannabis musical show coming out soon to influence the people like me. <laughs> yes. We call it, instead of O Calcutta, O Cannabis. Maybe. <laughs> that's my first. That's my first draft. All right, we'll work on that. Cannabis of, um, ma- of many colors. Uh. Cannabis of many colors. Oh, I have my <laughs> my scarf on. I know this is a podcast. You can't see it, but it's my little Yes, this is a very cool multicolored scarf. I love it. Okay. And then just one more thing. You know, I talked about being at the um, polls yesterday. I'm a very involved community member. I spent my 16 hours there. I actually like it. I get to see my friends who come in and vote, and they hang out with me, and they can't believe that I am in cannabis now. It's It's been awesome. But <laughs> it got me thinking. How about, you know, now we're past the election. We've gone into this thing of fear. We have to believe either this or that. Right. And we can't talk to each other. And we like to talk about cannabis as being in the middle of the event. You can be both. Yeah. <laughs> and cannabis right? has no politics. So, you know, the plant, it it's a plant. Both. Right. It's a plant. <laughs> and it's all about health and wellness and healing. Our, yeah. All that. You've been learning so much, Dave. Don't I'm you trying. feel like you yeah. I was thinking about we need to talk about how you can be, you know, the cannabis have a big story. You know, if you think you're can be a, you know, I'm a canna mom and a lawyer, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. technically. Yeah. I am a canna mom and a podcaster. I'm a canna mom and a really involved community member, mm-hmm. you know, tennis player. You can be a canna mom and other things. So let's bring it back to both. If you're listening, send me your thoughts. I'd love to hear. Maybe we'll do a whole campaign about it. It could be a social media thing. Right. All right. And before I begin, we do have some 2023 sponsorship opportunities still available. Check out my new website and uh, reach out. Love to hear from you. TheCannonMomShow.com. I knew that. But we have a good SEO because we worked with Fortuna Design. I'm going to give our free plug. Fortuna Design this <laughs> summer to help organize. If you're looking for your own, you know, reorg, check my, my website and, you know, reach out. I am a big fan. She's going to be a little nervous of today's guest. And I'm excited to share her story with you. She has evolved in the cannabis industry from an event planner to a canna brand, in addition to being a cool canna mom. In 2013, today's guest founded Edible Events Company, where she was hosting cannabis-friendly 
cocktail parties designed to normalize consumption in Colorado. Her events were so popular and cannabis so new that in 2014, a SWAT team shut down her 420 brunch that changed the trajectory of her canna story. Soon after, she helped found the Women Empowerment Group, Women Grow, and held the group's first networking meeting in 2014. And in 2016, she created one-of-a-kind company making glassware and accessories for flower lovers like herself and me. But she didn't stop there. In 2018, she went on to create a flower brand for us to consume in her beautiful and innovative glassware that is available across the country. I'm looking forward to showing off her beautiful can accessories, sharing her can business saga, and talking a bit about being a can mom of teenagers. Please welcome to the Can Mom Show, the one and only Jane West. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a long time coming. You've had so many amazing guests on. I'm glad to share. So I know, again, we're a podcast, so they can't see, but I do have my beautiful, I'm like an old school fan. So I was looking through what I've actually had. I love the compact. Love I think this is, adult, you know, adorable. I am a, you know, a microdoser for the most part. Yes. Oh my God. Love this little thing. Carry it with me. And it's not the first one I got. I have the little one that looks like. Oh. Yeah. You have all my favorite. Those are like some of my most, like the original designs that motivated me to start the company. So seeing them in your hands is all right, so that's awesome. So Do you use them? All the time. Those are the yes. things I used. That's how I got, you know, kind of, you know, increased my dosage. You know, like I went from the little one hitter, you know, now I'm, now I can yeah. use a whole bowl. <laughs> well, that's good. But it's great that it's measured and you had a very good understanding of exactly how much you are taking so that you, so that you know. I think that, again, like if a smoking a joint never appealed to me, partly because of the smoke. I mean, that to be honest. But I also could understand that I didn't really need that much, which is, you know, it's one of these stories you can get across to people that, you know, there's a different way to get it. And that's why we have this. All right. Let's. I couldn't agree more. Let's start with you. We don't have to talk about me anymore. I talk about me every week. All right. Let's talk about your Canada journey. How did you begin it? And what led you to your, you know, women grow? And maybe just talk a little bit about that group, too. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I've always. I started consuming cannabis late in high school, and then I did more so in college. I went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison and, um, and, you know, moved out to Colorado. And I just always lived in with a, a group of people or in an environment where cannabis wasn't quite as, like, shamed as it is in, you know, some other areas of the country. And so people knew, absolutely knew that I always liked weed. <laughs> I never grew it. You know, and I and I didn't really, you know, know that much about it, especially back in the like 90s, like in an unregulated market, you were just like, lucky to access it, let yeah. alone like, being able to like, I mean, I definitely was in my 20s the first time people were like selling me things based on string name. Okay. So, yeah. So, but you you are one of those people who had some cannabis and you really, you felt good, probably. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like, especially over time and especially in college, I became very aware, like, I live in Wisconsin, you know, alcohol is literally everywhere, like, at checking sheets, like, it's everywhere. And and I definitely became more aware that, like, I was a better person on cannabis that over alcohol as a choice. And throughout, like, a long day and, like, football games and I worked at a busy restaurant and, you know, cannabis is definitely, you know, my 
my substance of choice. So when you were consuming, how was it? Were you with other people? Were you like, I just know I need to use it to like relax? Was it like a social thing? Like I know sometimes, sometimes drinkers have an attitude about cannabis users. They're a little judgmental. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I spent a lot of time in alleys. <laughs> she shared it now. <laughs> yeah. If people wanted to join, they were definitely there. Um, but yeah, you know, I definitely, I, my vision for these modern, useful, practical dugouts definitely comes and harkens back to those days in those alleys with like a basic bat one hitter, and which is really kind of just my ammo. That's funny. All right. Okay. So you're 90, you're doing this thing. And then you did some, were you a social worker before or how did that, I know you fit it, that's somewhere in your journey. That's part of your story. Yes. I moved to New York City after I graduated from undergraduate school and started working for different NGOs and was working at the United Nations Development Pro right when 9-11 happened. So the projects that I was working on were, were ended and 9-11 was interesting for me because I was just about to start kind of like taking off working actually with pro- programs in, right in, in, in 2001. And, and I was going to live in New York City and get in a different apartment. I was going to, you know, and really moving up in what I was focusing on there. And then 9-11 um, put an end to all of that. And I was le- was out of New York City within six months. And so it was, it's like the closest thing in my life to the days of the pandemic where you just were like, so disempowered over like trying and, to and making decisions you probably didn't know you needed to make and so did you know wait, so you went from Colorado to New York and then back to Colorado is that I was born and raised in Wisconsin oh it's got to me and then I moved to New York City and then after I was 11 I moved to Denver Colorado got my master's degree in social work from Denver University let's go to school is school upright in Colorado or was Cannabis yes, or like and also I my husband was starting a school in Colorado as well graduate school yeah. in Colorado as well and yeah, so, well, you were young. You were like, yeah, I was young. I was like, oh, that was cool. This guy's moving to Denver, and Denver's awesome. <laughs> All right, but did you like? I mean, again, this was pretty early. Did you ever envision there'd be a time when you could actually make uh, your professional connection to cannabis? Was that definitely not? No, okay, and yeah, and you know, part of of my the the energy that fuel every day of building women grow from scratch was like realizing all the different possible businesses that could be born out of what's happening or what was happening in that moment. And yeah, so I definitely didn't envision that back in the day. And then upon suddenly being like in the spotlight, in the center of everything, like SEO through the roofs that people were contacting me from all over the world, like suddenly then seeing the potential of what this could bring. And that was even before people knew, I knew what CBD was, but other people didn't. Yeah. So what year? So what years are we talking like? Because after... It's after- about 20. So the voters in Colorado passed 20 20- initiative in 2012. Important for like advocates listening. The individuals that wanted to legalize cannabis in Colorado actually first legalized or brought mail-in voting to Colorado. That was the first initiative that they had. Huh. And uh, and because they knew that that would like get that correct audience and give people access to voting, you know, across the whole state. And so the first thing they did was legalize cannabis. People doing so much good to make our world better. That's really I, I did I did not know that. That's and again I love voting. I even work at the polls. So yeah, that's very exciting. Yeah. 
Uh, and so I've, you know, my mail-in ballots here in Colorado. And then it, it legalized in 2012, and there was the year of like enacting. And then on January 1st, 2014, was about 25 stores in the state opened up for adult-use recreational sales. And that was when I found I, I held once-a-month events at a private art gallery that were cannabis friendly. And um, so just kind of back up a little. So were you like, so were you with your friends and were like, this is a good idea? Or were you like, I see all these people who could use this? Or were you like, I think this is just a good idea because I know there have to be other people like me. Like, where was this kind of coming from? A few different things. Number yeah. one, you know, I'm at the time I was 38 and had two small kids and definitely like, like I said earlier, like I'm better with cannabis. I think it's a really great option for people. And it seemed like, to me, in in my idealistic vision, of course, if people can just go buy cannabis and, you know, millions and millions of hundreds of millions of dollars worth of the product is being sold in this state, of course, there will be a social use revolution where people are consuming it openly without shame and, and just like they do like cigarettes or other products with like the same level of respect, but just consumption of it is in the cut. The regular social consumption of it is inevitable. Right. We actually still haven't seen that in Colorado. I'm just, I know. In, that's kind of crazy. In those early days, there were signs that social use was coming. And and I formed a partnership with the Colorado Symphony Orchestra. They oh, really? Very, very pressed. It was like, it was after the SWAT team had come and it was after I had been fired from my job in corporate America. And the Colorado Symphony Orchestra wanted, they had gotten... I'll, I'll dipped into a whole new audience by introducing Beethoven and Bruce two years earlier. And they also believe that like this is inevitable and this is the new audience. And so we formed a partnership and we held an event at Red Rocks called on a high note. And oh, so, I want to go to Red Rocks. Oh, yeah. So you have to come. You obviously have okay. to come. Yeah. And those were all steps in 2015. Yeah. But in the social use, the definitely made it feel like it was inevitable. And then actually we kind of, you kind of, you kind of skipped over the raid and stuff. So do you want to just talk a little bit about that part? I mean, it's not a happy part, but. So, so I produced the first cannabis event and it was just 125 people at a private art gallery, but there was a lot of front there. That was an important decision at the time that I had to make because there were a lot of people buying tickets who did not want any cameras at all. But part of the the foundation of what I was trying to build was redefining who we think cannabis, what we think cannabis consumption looks like. Exactly. It's like not giant bongs, it's tiny joints. And it's not this, it's not, and it doesn't have to be not any, but it definitely can be a lot more than this very specific stereotype of the stoner, especially in 2014. In fact, one, the final domino that made me decide, okay, now this isn't some underground event. This is me in the spotlight, cameras at all the events. Everyone who wants to be there, it will be aware that there are cameras and news cameras. And and every event I held in 2014, there was at least one news news team, right? It was very, very like notable. What it was very exciting. Yeah. Oh, we were on CBS this morning. There was an article about which which different composers would be best for a concert where everyone's high that was on the cover of the New York Times art section. Wow. Yeah. In- so you're interpreting culture. That's like interesting because that's what I talk a lot about, like how like cultures around us, we don't even know it exists. It's just a thing that's there. And for someone to kind of go outside their comfort zone and say, oh, maybe what I have isn't everything. 
and there's another way to experience the world is really it's hard it is very hard and this idea i mean you are you know sometimes you're just going to be the first you're a pioneer 2014 that is in, in dog years the cannabis dog years that's pretty much like you know prehistoric at some point so yep. Yep. all right so but that was such an idea like that could possibly even like become a reality but yep. it didn't work out so great so what happened <laughs> so mayor hancock he still now we like some occasionally says something i thought we but he he was like no this lady no 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 and and so yeah so the SWAT team came to my 420 brunch it was on an easter sunday which was 420 in 2014 and yeah and you know they they basically picked like the five largest cannabis events on 420 and did everything possible to issue criminal charges that we'd be on probation. And that's exactly what happened. So I ended up with criminal misdemeanor charges and even after like six different times in court. So then I was on probation. And- wow. So, okay. So did you think this was a possibility? Like when you were going into oh, this? Well, did, I mean, the, we're, we skipped over the first thing that happened, which was like, I got one news article came out and I got fired from my job in corporate America where I'd already kind of told my team about this fun little once a month party I was holding. And it wasn't like really like it really wasn't a business. It was a passion project. It was something that I really was like, okay, I'm going to host once a month events and have a sponsor and focus and artists. And it's going to be this like fun cannabis friendly thing. And maybe someday you know, I get bigger sponsors and make money or something. But so that, you're like little, oh, that's interesting. So you were one of the people taking a big risk. So, you know. Um, oh, yeah. Well, that like, was, it, right, But again, like, did you, sometimes I do things because I don't know, I just don't really know what I'm doing. So I don't know what the possibilities are going to be, even though I'm an attorney. You know, my job uh-huh. is to know what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. So if you had known that you sort of these, this is your real risk, would you have actually even tried this? That's an excellent question. You know, of course, at this point, looking back, I- Like how, how old were your kids at the time yeah. when this happened? They were like five and seven. They were both, yeah. So it was very defining. Like, yeah. Because the whole, I got fired from the job first, which based on like a familial and social, and like my social network, that was, they were like, oh yeah, she came to this party. It's kind of cool. I'm- Fired her from her job because you know a slip of her made it on the five o'clock evening news with Brian Williams and like that was like that then that made the cover of the Denver Post because they were like hey you know she didn't sell it she didn't buy it she didn't do anything except hold an event that some people could consume it you know and that's all she did and and they you know so like even ancillary and whatnot you should worry about and and so it definitely like. Basically, every time something happened to me, it was when that down, like when I was like, okay, that was when the learnings really started happening of how we were doing something in such blue ocean. There wasn't anyone else doing it. So it wasn't like we could say yes or no to certain things. In fact, after I was let go from my job, after the SWAT team showed up, after I was placed on probation and was told I couldn't like, sell cannabis or resell cannabis or be related to it. You know, then I'm asking legal questions about just trying to found women grow. Because by that point, I was nine months into the sector and women were contacting me every single day. Like, how do I get in the industry? I live here. I want to do this. What are like, I want to work for you. I want to, you know, be a franchise of your business. Wow. You know, like, I don't, I can't, but I don't know. I don't grow. Like, so we even had to like 
figure out. So it kind of came out organically. It wasn't like, like, oh my God, I'm going to like help create this thing. It's like, I'm looking for a job. My kid's a little, I know how to do this. Yes. So can I go back to the mom? Can I go back to the mom story though? So it's like a mom show. And your kids really were little. So how are you? Yeah. No, like, what did like they think was happening to you? Like, I got fired from my job. I will be honest. I was got, I was fired once from my. I was a divorce attorney, and she fired me. I think I said thank you. It was a very traumatic moment, but I knew at that moment I kind of lost my ambition for it, yeah. and it was humiliating enough. But the idea that my firing would be national news, yeah, and my family would. I don't actually can't even wrap my head around that. Yeah, no, it was yeah. definitely. <laughs> it was not good. At all, like, and there's a lot of you know interviews and the way. Of course, you want people to know that they should keep going and they shouldn't let something like that hold them back and they should keep fighting for their vision. But at this, and so you, you, it ends up being like just a stepping stone, you know, eight years later. But at the time, it was really, really, really not good. Like I worked at that position for eight years. I loved my job. I, you know was not planning on anything like that. I definitely did not see myself as a CEO. I had always been like a you know really great middle manager in large entities. And so what it's taken to like educate myself on what I'm capable of and then once you decide what you think you're capable of like actually doing it and the into action. It's it's all about action. So all right. So you still, we haven't we haven't gotten to what you've done yet. All right. So this might be a longer show. All right. So for you, just can you talk a little bit about Women Grow and like yes. where it went from like, the, yes. you know, how you founded it so, and then we can start with your like actual business. It's yes. coming people. If you wait long enough, you'll hear how she created all this cool stuff. So I have a, so I, I really lean back just like many women that you've had on your show and many people who are able to convert their knowledge and professional experience into the cannabis sector. You know, what I really did for the non-governmental organizations and groups I've worked with in social work school was mostly ultimately event planning, like bringing people together for experiential events or, and or fundraisers to talk about what the issue is and educate mm-hmm. them. And so I also had to like replicate educational programs in multiple states and have them be identical in my in my previous position. And so in a lot of ways, that is exactly what, you know, that was the vision I had for Women Grow. So after trying to help a few women in 2014 in other states, not Colorado, like figure out like what to even do. Like, do you even have an initiative? I don't know. Is anyone care? Call normal? I don't, you know, trying to figure it out. I learned very quickly that this is going to be a state by state. This is, it, it, you need to get connected with other people in your state and start, you know, working on regulations, figuring out how to get licensing, figuring out how to get access to these small business revolutions that was occurring in Colorado in your state. And so that was the beginning for envisioning this model for women. So I, I got, so you're kind of like me, you're a little bit younger than me, but you know, I had, um, I had my kids in my thirties. I found it hard to do everything. I did get fired from my job, but it's the story. And, you know, I've been reinventing myself. I feel like I'm sort of a generation. So are you finding this is sort of the women who are reaching out to you? Like women, I think it's like our time now. It's this, this generation of women who are kind of did everything. They had education. Maybe they dropped out for the kids, whatever it was. Their cannabis is overlapping somehow. And they think this is an opportunity for a new a, a transition or something. Is that kind of way? Absolutely. 
There are a lot of women like that. You are absolutely correct. And we need those like women who have had experience in the workforce who understand more like the larger administrative and operational systems that need to be put in place and working in order to operate a large business and have experience, but like, and, and who have experience working with large teams and just like wisdom. Yes. But also like this goes across all levels. Like I have high schoolers reaching out to me that I'm like, can you have your mom reach out to me? Because I don't like, cause you're a minor. I have, you know, college, college students that I'm talking to in their classrooms and we have, you know, college programs starting up oh, all smart the education programs. So there's people and that's what gets me excited because I, I, a lot of the, this current snapshot in the American cannabis sector to me is really sad. Like, yeah, the, um, I agree. I agree. And I, and it's at the show, the whole idea that there are women like you out there doing it across the country and this idea that a network of a different way of doing things could exist. And we already have the infrastructure for it. I don't know what to do about the capital because I just do, you know, a podcast in my daughter's bedroom. But I know that's part of it. But this idea that, you know, we exist. This whole generation of women exist, even kind of going back to politics. Like there's a whole generation of women leaders, you know, on both parties really now who would not have existed except for Title IX, except for all the things, you know, we're going to go all the other things that my mother's generation fought for asking for permission. You know, I went to law school with the woman who's going to be governor of our Commonwealth, half of my law school class was women. You know, it's and, and this is Massachusetts. This is Boston. We have an entire slate of women leadership here. And that is a huge transition from when the time I was a kid. So we exist. We're here. And I think that's possible for cannabis, too. We could do something different. You're absolutely right. And, and it is possible. And also, like, additionally, whereas some other sectors may welcome, you know, may give women an opportunity for their professional development in a lot of ways, rediscovering cannabis and the product and the consumption of the substance and how that incorporating in their lives allows them to like reduce their prescription anti-anxiety or antidepressant medication or helps them with different, you know, menopausal and, you know, issues with estrogen and different things later in life. Or help them with, you know, other on endometriosis, Crohn's disease, other, you know, ailments that they have. Like there's so many different ways that not only could this sector could be, because I do not think it is welcoming to women right now. So it could be, but that also by like reducing the shame and fear around cannabis and making it welcoming and making it accessible and make make it understandable that we really can bring women that make their lives better in more ways than just on a professional level. Amen. All right. Welcoming. We're going to say welcoming. We want to be welcoming. It's a caregiver. So let's talk about your stuff. So, uh, yeah. So again, I'm so excited today because my partner's in Maryland and Missouri and at least a few things went well with the election last night. So I feel like life is going on. Okay, so I will just give my own personal story of this little thing that looks like a flask. It has a teeny tiny, it's not teeny, it's like a little one hitter and you can have two sections. Uh, I think it's spring doesn't work. Anyway, there's a little, (laughs) there's a one hitter in there and a cleaner, which I thought was brilliant because I always talk about cleaning my stuff. And then two spaces. Oh, there's still like a little pot in here. There's two spaces on the top and the bottom to keep your cannabis. And this is the thing when I first started consuming as a grown up, because I really started consuming as a grown up. This is what I brought with me. 
and this is what I used, and it was very discreet, and it was very um, easy to carry around, and it looked cool. So how did you come up? How did you come up with this idea? I love it. So you know, like I said, I I did consume you. I did originally consume in the form of like a dugout or shalom, you know, for people listening, because I talk to people all the time who are holy med product and about it, and I they still don't exactly know what a shalom is, <laughs> you know. But a one hundred pipe, a shalom, a dugout. They usually fit into a dugout. These are just single serving pipes that have a, a very small bowl size so that it's perfect for just one person. And for me, what I determined to be, because I'm doing like 20 different bowl sizes to come up with the pipe that's in your hand. I think if it's nice and wide and just, and but not so deep, it's perfect for like two solid inhalations. And yeah, and then you clean the pipe out with, by, with using the pick to easily clean out the ash in that area. So that then you can resell it with more fresh breeding flour. All the products I designed on the glassware and the whole single-use travel system are all really designed for like being able to measure and easily dose out your cannabis flour. Um, That's smart. Like this like replicable experience and you you know exactly kind of how much in that bowl you like. And additionally, we're trying to make sure that people have as many nice green hits as possible meaning that you're not charring the flour on the top and that then you end up like having to kind of continue to smoke while at the bottom of your bowl, there's fresh green weed that you right. should So, All right. so my, my next favorite, I'm just moving along. So my next favorite is <laughs> the, the, the compact, yeah. which literally looks like a compact. I pack it in my, my makeup case. How did you come up with this one? Well, so basically, once we just start, once I determined that, like, okay, I want a pipe that doesn't roll off the table, so it was nice, soft, square shape. Oh, that's why it's square. That's brilliant. Yeah. And that's then brilliant. That also, like, how the pick fits in it, that that device, the main pipe and cleaning device that goes across the whole product collection, that was the first part to come up with. And then the goal was to come up with three dungouts, the system that holds the flower and holds the pipe, so that it's Really, it, it fits seamlessly into the aesthetic of our lives. It fits right in your purse. It had, contains everything you need. That's what I love most about the compact. The other, the wand and the classic don't have room for a lighter. So you definitely have to remember your lighter. But when it comes to the compact. I did feel like it did feel like an upgrade because I always felt like and I'm not really a lighter carrier. So, it, you know, so that yeah. having the lighter in the compact felt like perfect. That, exactly. <laughs> and it's everything you need. You're not like shuffling around for what, you know. There's also a little mirror in there for your like yes. touch up. So okay, so I could talk about all this stuff, but I have to keep talking about other things. All right, Jane West, your business is more than just these products. You're actually a flower right now. And where are you located? Where can people access your actual flower products? Um, we have flower partners in twelve states. So currently, twelve. Okay. By Jane West Branding Cannabis Products in California, Oregon, Nevada, New Mexico, Missouri, Illinois, Michigan, Florida. DC and Maryland, and we'll have products in Massachusetts by next year. And we are also available in five provinces of Canada. They're everywhere. Okay. So we did all of that by partnering with independently owned, locally owned businesses. We are, I'm doing everything possible to support the small business revolution that I believed I thought the cannabis industry could be the day I started. And I do, you know, we're just simply not going to sell out to these multinational public traded companies that nope. are have complete control, complete yeah. control 
in my opinion, of of the sector right now. So, but you can still make your independent choices as a business owner and and who you're going to partner with and what you're going to create. And we need to make the very most of every possible opportunity we have because there are very few opportunities left on the table. I can talk about this for a while, but I'm actually running up. You can learn more about Jane. She's out there. She's very public. She goes, let's talk more about just you. So you have teenagers, right? They're teenagers now. So again, they were around when sort of the bad things happened and now kind of other, I guess this is good stuff. So what has sort of been the evolution with them and you and cannabis and what do they think about it? And do you ever talk about it or they care less because it's your business? We do talk about it. They 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 could care less about cannabis. That is for sure. In terms of like, they... It's like the thing mom does, so it's not very cool yet. I mean, and like, it's like mom. Ode ode to mom. (laughs) Oh, but no, I mean, we, when when it first, when everything first happened in that really tumultuous first nine months with like the court case and everything else, they were so young that they didn't quite know, you know, like, and all of a sudden I was just like on TV a lot. And there was like a little bit of a joke about like being like Lois Lane because when I'm on TV, I, I always wore my glasses. I wanted to see what I was like reading or looking at or whatever, but I really didn't at home around them, you know? And so like all of a sudden I'm like wearing glasses and I'm on television. And then the rest of the time, I'm just like being the same mom I always was. So that's actually awesome. Again, it keeps you grounded in a very strange yeah. way to have little kids because, you know, no, definitely. their reality definitely. makes you be in their world. So that's funny. And them not caring about, I mean, it would actually be weird if they did care. But it's better that it's just like my life. And now they're, now they're teenagers, right? So what's the other teenagers? Yeah. And, you know, overall, like we had very real conversations, more just about like substance use. Right. Because, uh, well, they're actually, they're actually 12 and 14. They're, okay. They're, they're coming up, but they're not. Yeah. not so, like, and I, and I will say, people talk to me a lot about like, how do you talk to your kids? They're like 18, 16. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, but, but again, that conversation is just, I think it's honesty. And transparency at every stage, whatever it is. And then they're, you know, they're human beings, you know, whatever. They know who you are. They see you. But it's the hiding, I think, that made it so kind of crazy for teenagers. I totally agree. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's really about, like, talking openly about it. Because, you know, the mushroom initiative on the ballot did pass. Here. Oh, it did. Uh, so what was the initiative? I tried to talk um, about Well, I encourage people to read more about okay. it. Oh, it's a complicated topic because... Two groups emerged and one group was about like access and getting and just like it's a plant and it shouldn't be criminalized and it's mushroom. And that decriminalize nature, it you know, that's kind of more like the group and the and the and the, the thought process that I follow, but a, a more corporate led money backed group did get the initiative on the now that did pass, which is excellent. I just hope what we see end up happening isn't exactly the same as cannabis with a small group of people being the only ones legally allowed to to sell it. That's what I was hoping because like, you know, I know the people out here, maps and all the people, it's like been a very different path than cannabis. You know, cannabis has turned into this crazy business that, I mean, honestly, I just think we have to make it like a supplement. I don't know, just de, you know, deschedule it completely. I don't know what's going to happen to medical. We're going to have to figure that part out. But the idea that it's, it's like this it's too much and maybe be under tobacco and firearms. I don't know who's supposed to regulate it, but what we've yeah. done is crazy. And we're not giving people access to the care they need. I know. And it's sad. It's so sad because when I like, and I, I really do try to be positive. I just, it what's the one of the 
getting all this fresh energy of people year after year, like like coming into the space with so much, you know, excitement, it is energizing. But at the same time, sometimes like it's so disheartening to see that they don't even realize how bad, like how bad it is right now and how how good it is. But, but, but again, and, I, it, they're just accepting it. They're just like, oh, yeah, multi-standard avenues run the whole thing. Of course, we all knew this would happen. It's America. But like, no, it's this just started like eight years ago. I was there. And that's, like, that's why the elders need to speak up. It. Yeah. We I mean, change this. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we are, we're the elders lady. And okay. I actually want to have a time. Okay. So next week is MJ BizCon where you are going to be spreading this message of in your high heels. Don't wear high heel holes. We're, we're flat. Don't wear high heels. We're sneakers. Wear comfortable okay. shoes. We're comfortable shoes. <laughs> it's a big um, floor. I like to call it a peak in Vegas. This has definitely become a very much of a pay to play event. I don't attend that. Yeah. But, but we call it weed week in nevada and it's crazy it's so many people i've been doing that that's another way that so i founded women grow and i held the first three events in denver and then that was the first year that there was going to be an event in las vegas in 14 and so i booked the, the street the rooftop suite because it was the only room with about at the rio and held an event there and then held an event there every year for four years straight um, and became very well known for it. And so like my Vegas experience dates back to so many, like just to such a different place in time. And now, you know, my products are available in uh, stores like Nuwu, the cannabis lounge where you can also consume cannabis, right? And cultivate in a sanctuary. And then some of them were like, publicly traded companies like Planet 13 and MedMed, they also carry my products, you know, they buy them. And so it's exciting to go back. We have Is that over- weird? Okay. I have to I'm like almost done with it. I'm like that, which is fun. Is that weird? So like so I ran for a local political office. So at some point I actually saw my my name all over my city for like, I don't know, a couple of months. And it was kind of weird. It was weird. <laughs> but your name is everywhere. Like when you go to Weed Week, is that weird? What does that feel like? <laughs> I mean, it feels good that mainly like I I still have basically zero marketing or advertising budget. I still don't have a PR firm. I'm still focused entirely on building the business and building the partnerships. So it feels good that if you really stick to what you're doing and and, and your own vision and don't adhere and don't like, you know, adjust to this crazy game that has been built in the past couple of years, that that alone will still be newsworthy because you're not doing what everyone else is doing. And if you, so that, so that I, you know, I, I like to think that that's why I'm, you know, still in the news and still, and my story is still being told, even though I'm not paying people to, and so, so yeah, so. I mean, again, I don't understand why this entire industry isn't focused on women who know how to go shopping and like to buy stuff. And it's like we don't exist. Again, you're doing something that needs to be done. The other women I'm talking to are doing things that need to get done. The guys aren't going to do it because I don't know. I don't know why. But we exist. We exist and we can do something that's different. And I think we do have enough power at some level. I mean, I know the game is, you know, like it's the money game. But I don't know. Maybe we do something. We do something old fashioned. We're going backwards to go forwards, doing things differently than everyone tells us to do, like you said. Well, yeah, in my opinion and and what. It's not even what I try to do. It's just, this is more just the way I am. You, no one is going to give up anything. And, and 
and or no one's giving you anything. Okay. My point is more that like from going through my career, my 20s in New York with these different non-governmental organizations and how to help people help themselves, you know, and then in in, in countries that are have far different circumstances than any anyone here. And then going through, you know, social work school and the different work I did for eight years after that, I've graduated from that before I entered the cannabis sector. Like you need, people need to be empowered. And the system that has been put in place for owning a cannabis business in this country is not only disempowering, it's like completely inaccessible. And the individuals that are on the largest multi operators have been talking about the words social equity. Those, these, like they've completely drained all meaning and definition from it and used it as a front. And, you know, if social equity wasn't just like really bullshit talk, 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 no action by these companies, I would have people to partner with in these states. There would be at least one. There, there'd be a dozen Black-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses, Latino-owned businesses, women-owned businesses, like access to licensing and opening up a business. Like it's, it's so inaccessible and, and people have been just been convinced that, oh my gosh, it's just, you need so much money. And, you need and, and then we don't ask, and I mean, I guess this is what I keep hearing. People are like, well, why? Why do you need so much money? Well, that's the thing. And yeah. and why I was originally so inspired and motivated to start this, to start Women Grow, to found right. Women Grow and why I named it Women Grow and be created that, you know, these types of ways to bring people together was like other sectors of the economy. Yeah, you're not just starting a tech company and you're not just starting, you know, something making consumer product goods. Like those are things that, yes, you absolutely need massive amounts of capital to do. However... What I observed and what I still observe in the states that are doing it right is people that are starting a small agricultural business on maybe like an or just starting a basic retail storefront that has to follow another level of regulation. This is what we're talking about. And we've allowed these these rules and licensing and the application process to like get so caught up in something and not if everyone that has been locked out of the cannabis industry by limited licensing and multi-state operators fought at the same time to get access to own cannabis businesses right alongside these other generously wealthy people, then we would all have more access. And instead, we're, most people are accepting what they see as the only system they'll be. And, and there's no room, they're, they're finding there's not enough room for them. And they're, they're asking, you know, can we please have this or can we please have that or can we get? And what we have to figure out is ways that we're not asking for someone else to give us a piece of a pie. We're acknowledging that that pie is not for us. And it was never made for us. I was like, sorry for me, at least, because I'm yeah. not. And that, and that, and again, that we could do something different. Yes. Rules are made up. All this stuff is made yes. up. You know, I talk about the law, the policy enforcement, the things that go wrong are because bad people are whispering in the ears of the people who are making the policy. And then the lawyer, the people who enforce the laws have to do it. I mean, this is kind of how we got to where we are and we can undo this. Everything that exists, we created. And the idea that we can do something different in cannabis is really hopeful. And you're so passionate. I love that. All right. So I'm actually all out of time. But you're going to be at MJ BizCon. If people want to connect with you, how are they going to reach you? 
Well, Instagram has been very unfriendly to cannabis businesses this year. And my personal account, just mostly pictures of my dog and family, was shut down in August. Anyone listening to this, if you want to message Instagram in any way you can and write, you, you actually can't actually advocate for me because when you try to type in the Jane West, T-H-E Jane West, it says the account doesn't exist. But if you simply message them a few messages saying, I follow the at B Jane West and you've deactivated her account. Can you please reactivate it? We have about two months left. Like I've heard that like once you hit that six month mark, you'll never get it back. So sorry. All right, people, listen, rally behind the Jane West. It'll be in the show notes and not me. I just want I mean, I just want my basic account back. Thirty thousand organic followers. It's actually been like just like all the other challenges that have been put in our way along the this way, whether it's a SWAT team or, you know, unfair regulations going in place, like we're still here and we're still fighting for our own space. And this last thing with Instagram has really convinced me that I need to be building out JaneWest.com even more in a safe space where we can have videos of what, you know, how to use these products, where we can talk openly about products. Right. About- or words or trying to like change right. things. So yeah. yeah, my biggest thing on my vision board for 2020 right. right now. I'll be following like, along and we're all going to advocate the Jane West. It's got to come yes. back. That's crazy psycho. Okay. So for my guest, another show for the amazing Jane West. And of course, for my bro David Jazz and our Cannamom show team, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cannamom show where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and sharing the inspiring stories of the women building this new industry so together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Elland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories 
and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.